Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Before we dive into this week's episode, I actually have another story for you guys that I want to share uh, that actually happened over the holidays. So I was fortunate enough to get some quality time with my 18-year-old brother, Nick, over Christmas, and we had actually been wanting to create some custom hoodies for a side hustle that the two of us are working on together. And so we sat down on the couch uh, with our masks on, of course, and I watched as Nick actually led the Google search. As he combed through the initial search results for design custom hoodies, I watched as he'd actually go ahead and hit the back button before a couple of the sites even finished loading. What are you doing? I exclaimed after the third time of him doing this. And he said, dude, you know, our internet is great. If the site doesn't load quickly, they're clearly not a reputable e-commerce brand. Now, for the sites that did load in a satisfactory time for Nick, he'd immediately go to the top right corner of the homepage and look for a search bar. And if he couldn't find a search bar or if his initial search didn't return what he was looking for, he'd go ahead and hop back to the search engine result pages. So Nick, like noticing my confusion around his digital behavior, said, dude, again, if they don't make it easy to find what I need via search, I'm going to find someone else who does. No one's got time to make sense of poor website navigation. Now, at the time, I didn't think much of this interaction, but you know, then I stumbled upon a company that is dedicated to tackling the very challenges that Nick encountered on his journey to find the best brand to order a custom hoodie from. And that company happens to be the sponsor of this week's podcast episode, Meet Squiz, a student experience platform that offers a full suite of solutions developed exclusively for higher education. Squiz has so many exceptional products that are worth checking out, but the two that I have been most impressed by is their custom site search product, Funnelback, and their website platform, which is a true DXP. And don't worry, I'll explain what this means momentarily. For Nick's generation, which is really the next wave of digital natives, search is not ancillary to navigation. Search is navigation. And Funnelback enables schools like yours to build custom, smart site search so that your nursing program page actually comes up when someone searches nursing instead of that one nursing faculty event registration page from like two years ago. You guys know which one I'm talking about. And their DXP, so it's so much more than a traditional website CMS. Now, a website CMS is meant for exactly what it claims to be, content management, right? Content management system is what website CMS stands for, by the way. Um, And it's an important part of your MarTech stack and an important part of the student lifecycle. But that's just it. It's an important part. A DXP, which is a digital experience platform, is built to be the hub of your MarTech stack. It relies on powerful integrations, data management, and an open platform in order to create the kind of experiences simply not possible with just a CMS. Or at least impossible without a giant IT web team to support all of the APIs and constant upkeep, yada, yada, yada. So... Say goodbye to the finicky plugins of WordPress and the crappy site architecture of Drupal that, by the way, totally hurts your SEO, and get ready to meet the fastest, the most powerful, and the most personalized website platform for colleges and universities on the market. Today, the student experience begins online, not at school. And as an enrollment marketer, your job is to ensure that prospective students find what they are looking for as quickly as possible. Squiz is the secret friction reducer that schools across the globe are using to not just attract students like my brother Nick, but actually to nurture them to the point of enrollment in a way that is conducive, not counter to, how they consume information and make purchasing decisions. To learn more about Squiz's secret sauce, head on over to enrollify.org forward slash Squiz, and be sure to start your research with their search bar. 
All right, guys, take care and enjoy this week's episode. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, sir. Another week. Uh, and it's another week where I can't believe it's been a week since we last talked. I know. I, I feel like I feel like every time we record Fanatical Fridays, I'm like, no way. It's not actually Friday. There's no way. There's no way. We just we just did this. Or when I see yes. the little uh the little notification pop up in my outlook saying it's time to record, I'm like, no, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Well, I every um, you know one of the things I do to wrap a day is to um, just take a look at the calendar and see what's what I have on the next day. And I, so I have the same feeling. I just have it a little earlier than you do. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, uh, especially when when you know this is at the beginning of the day. So I see that right up front. Um, yeah, yeah. So what? How is life in California? Life in California. Um, well, currently it is a little cold. It actually hailed here yesterday um, just for like five minutes. California weather is like so strange. Um, But so, I mean, that was interesting. It was windy and cold. To be honest, it's not what I it's not what I'm looking for. I think I need to go back to San Diego (laughs) where we moved like an hour and a half north. So we're in or north from San Diego, roughly. don't quote me on that. I have no idea how far we <laughs> so, so, so I guess my question is just, you know, have you verified that the temperature you're experiencing now is the common temperature there or could might this be an anomaly? Are you in a it's, cold it, wave? It could be. It could be an anomaly. I mean, Mickey, so who before has time? you rush down an hour like... and a half, <laughs> just be sure. Yeah, yeah. Or no. or just do it because you really want to be back in San Diego where a lot of people really want to be. Uh, yeah. And if you have the opportunity to do it, just go down south and we can just call it a weather-related choice. I mean, um, I, 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 all I can imagine is that the people that, like, go to L.A. and the people that, like, love the L.A. area, they must just have never been to San Diego because it's – I don't know. They just don't compare at all. I guess you go for different reasons. Like, you know, L.A., obviously – there's Hollywood, there's a bustling city, but you know, these, in these times, it's not always the most attractive place to be. So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's been windy, honestly, not, not the best, like first longer stay impression of Los Angeles. Um, but on a positive note, we are in Culver city, which is, as we were briefly chatting about earlier, um, a place where a bunch of Hollywood studios are. So, you know, you're walking around. We went on a walk yesterday and um, you're stumbling upon like, this is where this was filmed and this is where King Kong did this. And um, so that was kind of cool. Or like, you know, Gone with the Wind was filmed in this studio. So yeah, that's, I guess that's that's a little cool. It's very dead. Like there's nobody around. Um, it really does feel a little ominous. It's It feels a little bit like a ghost town. Well, that's not always a bad thing when you're in a tourist mecca. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Oh my gosh! Uh, but yeah, how are you, man? Well, you know, uh, it might be the first time uh, since you've been on the road where we're, we're able to have a conversation. And my weather's better than yours. Seriously, seriously. We're in the you know a week of um, high sixties, low seventies. Um, you know, seventy five degrees is really my ideal temperature. So. Um, we're we're right near that uh, that peak, wow! And I get like two or three weeks a year of that. 
of my ideal temperature. Well, they, hey, you know, yeah. you gotta, you gotta enjoy it while you have it. Yes. Um, especially while you have it at home before, before you hit the road, which I know is coming up fairly soon. Just a couple of weeks. Yeah. Where are you? We'll be you recording. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be recording one of the episodes uh, from the Outer Banks, and nice. I'm really looking forward to uh, to recording that with the sounds of the ocean in the background. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. Um, well, we've got a lot to talk about today, and um, I actually want to circle back on the conversation we were having right before we hit that record button, Mickey, about we were talking about sort of the um, the enemy of good is great. Um, did I get it right this time? No. Nope. No. You, you Damn didn't. it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> good is the enemy of great. Good is the enemy of great. Oh, gosh. In, in in my defense, it's very early here, and I have not slept much. But I was, it's funny. I was saying offline, I was like, Mickey, is this the saying, or is it? And he, he corrected me, <laughs> and of course, I get it wrong here. But um, I, I want to I revisit this because I think that this is a, a very timely uh, conversation that is will be sort of a nice segue into a couple of things we want to talk about today. Uh, a couple uh, interesting survey results that were that were published that I think our audience will will care about. Um, and the reason I thought it was worth circling back on this, Mickey, is because one of the things, at least from my vantage point right now, is there are a, a few different camps of folks in that fall into sort of like um, enrollment management leadership or even just like university-wide leadership that I encounter uh, these days. And Camp A is the, are the folks that are like, stuff is looking really, really bad. It's really scary. And they're pretty risk-averse because they need to be, right? Like they, they have to try everything because if they don't do anything, right, they can see where, where they go, right? And that's Camp A. Um, and then like Camp C are the people that are doing really well right now. Like in spite of everything that's gone well, like enrollment is up, they, their student, uh, students love them, engagement with their online course content and or they've been able to, you know, successfully transfer, uh, go back to campus and have in-person instruction and all in all things are just going really well. And then there's this big like middle category, let's call them group B of folks that things aren't dire but they're not great. And that particular middle group, I feel like more so in, in my experience than ever before, has been more open and more interested in talking about new ideas and entertaining things like, hey, here's an idea we have of a accelerated you know, communications flow or, hey, we wanna launch these four new digital campaigns that are a little edgy, what do you think? And this group would historically be very, very opposed to doing something bold because again, they don't really have to. There's typically a little bit more bureaucracy in this group. Um, but right now, in my experience of group B is that there's more of a willingness than ever before to do new things. Um, so I'm curious what you think about this and just what you're from your vantage point, like what, how risk averse are people right now are people willing to do new things what what is like your boots on the ground sort of experience of the moment so I, I, one of the things i was kind of sharing with you as you uh, as we were chatting before we hit record my groups are slightly different than yours uh, you know i you know, i think you get you have a certain number of people who get it um, who are early adopters i still even though 
people have been going with this this model and other industries for years. Um, in higher ed, we're a little behind. And so I think we have our early adopters in that, those who are a little more innovative and, and really understand what uh, the value uh, of, of social can be and digital can be. But, you know, then I think there's this large middle group that says, you know, why do I want to risk uh, anything away with what's been working for 20 years? It's tried and true. We hit our numbers enough or exceed them enough to say that, you know, I don't want to spend any extra dollars um, moving away from that. And then there's the group um, that whose backs are truly against the wall right now. Um, from from the results of the pandemic, and you know, and as you are finding and having many more of these conversations, um, my my guess is that that later group is the group who would not normally be talking to you, um, or be as readily uh, uh, open to listen to you, and um, the, but because they're out of options, you know, May one's coming up, um, and you know they've got a third less people who they've have given an acceptance to than they normally do. Uh, and they find that very unlikely that they're going to have the right number of people uh, take them up on a deposit uh, because of that. They need some other desperate option. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that option is even just for traditional undergrad. We've got to pivot to our other audience types or other student populations, non-traditional graduate, and do what we can to get those numbers up to offset this um, because we can't miss again like we did last year yeah and and so i think that has a plays a lot to do uh with it and you know as, as we were kind of saying you know if we can get and prove some demonstrable results with this then we keep them in our camp of um, people who buy in and what that does is then take this middle of the road group if you look at that pack and rank order of how secure they are you take that bottom secure people people now they're going to start to fall with their backs against the wall because the schools they were able to 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 beat or to you know take some of those students from that were against the wall now aren't and doing better than they are and so now they're against the wall and so now you've got to work with them what i will say though in that approach from my experience in working with folks who are least likely to get it it is not double the work but it's you know at 20 to 30 percent more level of work to continually demonstrate to this group why we're doing what we're doing, the results of it, until you can get a sustainable um, flow going and start to show the results. Um, it, it's, it's, it takes a little more effort, but the results can also be greater um, than anyone with anyone else. So, um, and it to me is much more rewarding. <laughs> um, so, uh, but that's, that's, that's my theory um, on it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, it's super interesting. And I, I feel like the schools that are doing this well are the ones who, and maybe this is, maybe people are going to hate on me for this, um, but I I, I, really, <laughs> I wish I had some like hard uh, data to back this up at the moment. Uh, right now, it's totally uh, anecdotal. Um, but the schools that I'm talking to that are are in this middle category, which are, they're, they don't need to be, you know, doing wild things because they're not in that desperate of a situation. They don't really need to spend tons of money on testing new brand messaging and or new approaches to uh, uh, acquiring new new perspective inquiries from, you know, places like Snapchat or TikTok. And, um, and, and yet they are. And what, what I have noticed is that there is this common 
understanding among these institutions that they're no longer just competing with schools like them. They're competing with whether or not a high school student decides to go to college or do something else. So like, it's almost like there's this recognition that, oh, wow, right? There's a lot of other offerings uh, out there. The value prop from a social standpoint, I, I don't think we're actually there, but it's closer, we're closer to maybe, you know, than we've been for, for a while to it being not just acceptable, but like, you know, totally celebrated to do something different than pursue the, the traditional four-year degree. And so, again, this is all anecdotal, but of the people that, I, that are coming to mind right now, of, of these conversations that I'm having, what I love about them is that they're looking at the entire landscape and seeing and saying like, whoa, if we want to attract Gen Z, and we have to do a much better job of convincing them that they can do what they want to do here, right? Within within sort of our institution's context, like it's not it's no longer like trying to compete with the school down the street. I'm sure it still is in in some respect, but it's much more about the value prop of no, we understand like you want to create or you have goals or you have a vision for a different kind of life. Like you don't want to drown in student debt like your parents did, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think that th that that is interesting. So the people that have greater context and I would argue that have greater perspective and aren't just responding out of fear or reacting to what other competitors are doing, the, I feel like those are the the people that are, that are thriving right now. Um, because they understand, they understand the greater landscape. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's keeping in mind who your audience is uh, and where they are in their mindset and their decision process uh, and, and, and the process for enrolling. And I think you, you, you made a very important note there. Um, and, it, and it's conversations I've actually been having with clients, you know, in terms of the, this group of students who are weighing on their mind now, um, you know, do I enroll anywhere? Am I, is, is higher ed for me in the fall? Yeah. And, and, and that's a larger group. I think we can all acknowledge um, the data showing this a little bit larger group than it has been in the past. Um, the pandemic probably is making it a little larger than it would be normally. Um, maybe much more larger than it would be normally because of the, uh, because of the online scenario. And, you know, for two-year institutions, um, you know, it's, it's a little scary and dangerous, um, even though, you know, that May 1 deadline date doesn't impact them as much um, because so many of their students make the decision to enroll well post May 1. But as other four-year institutions are falling short for May 1, yeah, they're going to be regrouping and doing what they can, especially those who are less selective, um, have rolling admissions. They're going to be working very hard to get those, get some of those students to do. And so now it's a matter of who resonates and get that message across about the value, because that's part of the going to be part of the message that you're just saying, you know, what's the value of doing this yeah. now and not waiting and who best resonates with that message. Uh, because, you know, the day, the, the hard part now um, this year uh, is in the past, we may have had, it could be 5% more. It could be the exact same number of students that are considering whether or not higher ed's for me than in the past. But in the past, we had more information about them in our CRM systems. 
They had raised their hand because we got a card with their name on it when we we're out visiting a high school. Those people are not in the system now. So how do we get our message to them? We can't email them or text them and just keep blasting over and over and over. We can't even call them because we don't have their information. Yeah. And the way to do that is going to be through these digital channels. Uh, and that's how you're going to resonate. And you've got to find a way to do it and stand out among um, everyone else. This is somewhat of a tangent, but um, what what I'm looking for, and maybe this exists, Mickey, and you you know the the community college world a little bit better or a lot better to be candid than I do. And, um, but you know, I was thinking about this the other day and I'm glad you brought this up because uh, it reminded me of this thought I had. I would love to see community colleges and I think they're perfectly positioned. Many of them are perfectly positioned to be able to do something like this, sort of become the, um, uh, the entrepreneur's like choice of, hey, you like for, for, and again, this won't appeal to, to everybody, but for this, for the, uh, high school students that like want to be creators, right? Like the people that are, that don't just want to go to a traditional four-year institution, they, they kind of have an idea that they want to be, that they want to be entrepreneurial. They have a few different like business ideas, maybe that they're, that they're chewing on, or they really want to understand sort of like how to just work for themselves. They don't want to work for the man, whatever it might be. It would be really neat for community colleges to better position their coursework and really their offerings as the place where that particular persona of student could come and thrive and graduate and like leave with frameworks for how to operate, right? Like your own business, how to like you, you just because you want to be a creator, you, you want to be entrepreneurial doesn't mean you have a, a, any sort of clue of how to do that, especially if you're going to work for yourself, like an introduction to like venture capital and like what that actually means and what that world looks like. Like it would be super cool for schools, especially, and I think community colleges are especially ripe to be able to do this, to reposition themselves as, as hey, this is a way to get a little bit of college under your belt, graduate with an associate's, um, and then maybe along the way, you decide that, you know what, I do want to finish and I want to get my bachelor's and you transfer to another institution. No worries there. Or at the very least, you leave with enough of a framework for how to bring your idea or your ideas to life. Are, do you know of schools that are that are doing this? Is, am I crazy or well, would something like that even work? No, no I mean, well, I, I know there are many community colleges who will say yes to that. Okay. Um, and they'll say yes to that because they have an entrepreneurship program and they have an admissions team. Yeah. And they have someone on one or two people, maybe three or four um, in a marketing office. And because those, because they have those three things, they'll say, yes, we're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and having the, the teams doesn't mean you're executing on that. So how do we take this program and ensure that it's designed for what you're just talking about? Uh, for entrepreneurs, uh, that we have an entrepreneurship program that's really designed for multiple types of entrepreneurs. Um, someone who just wants to create a very small local business versus someone who wants to create a giant big corporation or someone who wants to take an idea and build something around it. Yeah. Um, and that you have that. Second, that you have the ability to understand who those students are and build a persona around it. Um, third, that you have the the technology and the team that can create and build communication streams of communication for those individuals, for that persona type. You know, do you have all of those things in place? That is much more rare to find. Um, and generally, I would say 
um, community colleges are further behind than four years on that latter part of it. Uh, And, um, and so the opportunity is there uh, for sure. And I agree. I think it's a great um, opportunity for community colleges to, to set themselves apart from the four years to, to show something besides the value, something besides local, something um, besides your step to the four-year degree. Um, and it's not to say that they aren't doing it and they don't have other things they can promote, but this is just one of those things I think they can do it um, if it's given the right care and attention. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I think that they are uniquely positioned um, to do this, again, if, if, if they can pull it off, because the idea, again, as a, as a high school student of being able to, again, make, make progress, but really get the training and the formation that you are most interested in and not have to worry. I'm sure, you know, there are some classic gen eds in there, of course, but not, not have to feel like you have to wait two years to finally get to taking the classes that you want to take. Um, I think that there's just, there's just remarkable opportunity there. And I, I wish that there was, um, I hope that maybe this conversation can inspire some folks who are building this or are doing this to reach out and, and show us what they're, what they're building. Because I think that this is, um, this is the next frontier of, of education program differentiation. And, um, I'm excited to see, see what happens. Also a little bit <laughs> tangential, but like I, my wife and I have been watching, um, American Idol and I haven't watched American Idol probably in like, I don't even know how long the show has, has been around. I feel like it's been like 10 years or like eight years or something like that since I like watched the show. Um, I think the last season I watched was when Chris Allen, um, won. So I have no idea when that was, but it, I feel like that was maybe a decade ago. And I really haven't followed the Prob- show since probably. It, so I haven't probably. Followed, followed the show at all since it moved to to ABC. Um, but we were um, we have Hulu now, and we anyways we ended up watching like the the auditions. And one of the things that was super interesting to me was that there had and and the judges uh, commented on that that there have never been so many. Uh, original songs that folks have used to audition for the show and they were talking they made this offhand comment I think it was like Katy Perry made this offhand comment about like wow are we like seeing like the most creative of generations that we've seen like is that what's happening right now and they didn't like flesh that out at all but I thought that stuck with me because I think that the same thing that's sort of happening in education it's just generational right like people have the tools and the vehicles through which to be creative right now. You can, you can become an artist on Instagram very easily. You could become a dancer on TikTok very easily. A lot of like the, you know, historical barriers to, uh, to being creative or to expressing creatively have been washed away, uh, in large part due to social media. And so, I think that this has inspired people, I'm thinking of even just my brother, to believe, right? He's 17 years old and believes that he is capable of taking his idea and making money from it and bringing it to life. And there's just like this boldness about Gen Z that mm-hmm. I don't even think it is, is necessarily as true in, in my generation. And I'm a, you know, a younger millennial. Um, Anyways, I, I went off a little bit there, but my, my, my point is I, I think that this, there, I think the time is now for, for 
educational institutions to figure out how the heck do you speak to this, what I would argue is a growing uh, demographic of student that wants to be able to do their own thing. And many of them will learn quickly along the way that like, hey, you know what, you're not that great. Like, I'm sorry, but like you're you're not going to be like the next Instagram influencer or you're not going to be, you know, the next Mark Zuckerberg. But some of them will be. Um, and I, I feel like rather than the message from schools being like, oh, if you're there, you if that's what you want to do, like you don't really fit in here. The school and again, community colleges, I think could really do this well, that can say, no, 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 this is exactly where you belong um, and have coursework yes. that actually helps further uh, further that dream. That right. That's unique. That's different. You know, and I think you make an excellent point when you bring this up in terms of those comments. Um, that's a great observation. Um, and, and I agree artistically, especially, but not just artistically, that the 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 avenues to quote unquote discovery or maybe more importantly, breakthrough um, to resonate and to find an audience are incredibly more robust now. Uh, maybe, and I don't know that they existed at all before. You know, before, you know, before uh, YouTube, um, you you had to go to New York or L.A. or some big city and, and play on a sidewalk if you were a musician uh, and hope that, you know, to get discovered, get money um, and start working your way to gigs and and all that. You know, there's there's a there's a, a little band uh, that most people won't know uh, that I discovered on YouTube that does that just for years has been stripping down covers of of big songs uh, and making it their own. Um, they're out of Florida. The name is Boyce Avenue. Ah, um, I know them. Yep, right? Yeah. So if you were to check them out on YouTube, now they've been doing this for 10 years, but they've got more views of their videos than Katy Perry in many instances, <laughs> than Britney Spears, uh, which just think about that. They, they don't have a major label supporting and never have. They yeah. didn't need any of that. They were one of the first to really break through. Um, you know, they released, a, I just pulled them up on, as we we're talking here on video, they released a video a few days ago, uh, a music video, uh, one week ago, 441,000 views in a week. Um, you tell me a, a major recording artist, aside from Beyonce, Taylor Swift, and those folks that can get that amount of viewership in a week's time. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know. I I, it's a cover of Icy Fire by um, Ed Sheeran, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. And, and that's so right. So um, they did a, a cover of Richard Marks. Now, let, you tell me when you've heard a Richard Marks song recently. Do you even know who Richard Marks is, Zach? Do you know? Because um, I'm old enough I, to know. Now, I, you, I'm scared nine, to admit that I don't, but no. That's, oh, <laughs> don't be scared. You, sh you should admit you don't. There are very, unless you grew up in the 90s, you're not going to know Richard Marks. Um, 90s, uh, what I would call cheesy love songs. And there's, you know, if you're a Richard Marks fan, hey, I'm sorry, I don't want to offend you. But that was three weeks ago, and it, they've got 400,000 views of that, right? So so it's not just taking Ed Sheeran songs that get them those views. Um, they can take anybody and do that now. But, you know, that is, that's, that's that world. And that's how they just went and crafted their own audience. They didn't have um, 100 people behind them building this up. They did it on their own organically. And they're huge with it now. Uh, so, you know, I think that's uh, the, 
the world we're in. And when you, when you have those opportunities, you know, other people have ideas. It doesn't have to be arts and music. It can be other things, but having a program that allows them to understand the dynamics of that, uh, of how to go about and expand that idea to build a following, to build support and grow towards it. You know, that, that is something that a community college can do, um, you know, to bring this back. And that's, I think that's really, really a valid point. And I'm glad you brought that up. And even even like taking like accounting, you know, 101 or 201 or whatever they call it these days what? and like helping folks understand, hey, here's how you like do this financially, like Correct. by doing. Oh, hey, have you ever heard of Stripe? Like this is a payment processor that you might want to use when you build your digital brand, like or whatever it is, like helping finance increase financial literacy, especially for folks that are going to go out and mm -hmm. try to. And, and believe yeah. that they have what it takes to make it on their own. Like, why? Mm -hmm. To me, that's exactly the place where community colleges should be. Um, it just it just makes so much sense. Yep, absolutely. Well, I think we've uh, I think we've got a good point to uh, to wrap. I think we've, I know we've I know we didn't get we didn't personas. We talked a little bit about um, uh, opportunities for community colleges. We talked a little bit about. Um, pipelines and willingness to be open for innovative things yeah so, we'll have to come back to to those surveys uh uh next week that i mentioned oh the, yeah the we beginning. will but i think that you know we don't we don't often get a lot of time to talk to specific segments of um enrollment managers and so i think you know this one is for you community college folks who we don't give enough love to um and and i, and I think to cue us up for next week and to commit us to talking about it um the survey results about um uh, this was coming from i think you said barnes and noble right barnes and noble education yep right uh and and looking at students perception of online uh education the value of it um and their thoughts and i think that's important um i think it also has some impact on why community colleges are where they are and not just community colleges four years as well the, I, I'll be sure I'm clear about that, that in terms of, you know, students not wanting to enroll while we have more people th not thinking of enrolling in the fall. Um, I think that's important to talk about that. And the other thing remind me, Zach, that I'll be sure we talk about it when, and when we bring this up is what opportunity does that present now? Um, if you're an institution who's been online or mostly online and you're not going to be in the fall and you've made that commitment, how can you use that as something to market and push? Um, because now you've got these folks on the fence who, who maybe were on the fence and are, are on the other side of the fence by not enrolling uh, because of online. And those who are on the fence now thinking about it for next year, now's your opportunity to really push that forward. So let's talk about that as well next week. Love it. Yep. Sounds great. Well, Mickey, as okay. always, thank you, sir. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, look forward to having you back with us next week.